heart. Fill it up with Christ. I know you set yourself in peace you couldn't find. Good morning. Um, thank you guys that have been lifting up, praying for our missions team out in the Philippines uh, for the past uh, week and a half. Thank you guys for praying for them. Please continue to, to pray for them as well. I remember last year, uh, there was a good handful of people that the week they got back, they got really sick. So something about, you know, changing the time and changing the weather and all that stuff just really affected them. And they were pretty sick for a few days the, the week that they got back. So continue to, lift for, to, to uh, pray for them that that will not happen again this year. And uh, thank you guys so much just for, uh, it's an honor to be able to share with you guys these past couple of weeks. And as we've been talking about growth, how we grow and mature in all areas of our life is so important. It's so important. And really, when you look at it, growth equals commitment. It's one of the things that it equals. Growth in any area of your life, if you're growing in it, getting better at it, well, you can look at that and say, you're committed to that. You're committed to that. So if my wife sees me as a husband getting better, spending more quality time with her, asking the right questions and all that stuff, well, she's like, wow, he's committed to me. He's committed to me. As a parent, when your child notices that you're spending more time with them and that you're just, you know, in a better attitude around them, they can notice that, maybe not now, but eventually they'll notice that you are committed to them. And uh, this, this hits home hard for me because while I was gone for those few months in, in uh, South Carolina, uh, I'm not sure if I shared this with you guys, but about two months in, I get a phone call from Jerry, and it wasn't about this, but it ended up, we ended up talking about it. She's like, I have to admit something to you. I can't hide this from you as much as I want. But, you know, our daughter Momo was four years old then, and, and then she uh, got in, in, into the stage of life where she starts drawing family portraits, you know, stick figure family portraits. And she's like, God, let you know that she was at school and she drew her family portrait and it didn't have you in it. And when you're gone, it was about two months at that time. When you're gone, you're just like, that's it. I'm on the first flight back home right now. I need to be in that stick figure, right? I need to be in that family portrait. No way. But what was happening was, in a sense, she was noticing that, you know what? Like, it seems like my dad's not committed to me. I mean, that's not what her four-year-old brain was thinking of. But in a sense, you can look at it like that, and it hurts. It hurts. Same thing at your job. When, you, when people notice that you're improving at your work, they can notice that you're committed. If a hobby that you like to do, whether it's playing an instrument or, or you know, working out or traveling or whatever it is, but see, if, if people see you doing it often and then you're getting better at it, better at planning it and all that stuff, they can say, wow, you are committed at that. So, that's so, so those are just some things that when we grow in life and then people people will notice that, wow, you are committed to what you're doing because you're getting better at it. And that's what we're trying to do spiritually, our life. We're trying to get better. We're trying to grow closer to Jesus every day the best that we can. And when we're doing that, we're committed, and God sees that. When we're not growing, though, when we're not growing, we're not growing spiritually, what our life usually ends up looking like or feeling like, we're up, we're down, we feel, you know, all these different ranges of emotions. We're unpredictable. We have these outbursts when we're not growing. And it reminds me of what, of what Paul addresses 
um, to the church in Ephesus in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 to 15. He says this, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head of Christ. We are to grow up. We are to mature. This is what we are to do as believers. So when that happens, when we do commit ourselves to God and decide to grow and mature, when that happens, then we end up going on mission. It will take us to be on mission. This is what Pastor Phil mentioned a couple weeks back. He says, as believers, we all have a mission statement. And that mission statement is what Jesus left the disciples with as he ascended into heaven, saying, go and make You are to go and make. And so the only way we are going to fulfill that mission statement is if we are growing and maturing. You see, your life has a purpose. Your life has a purpose, but guess what? It's more than just about you. Your purpose in life is not about you. It's about you, but it's about more than just about you. You see, your purpose is to be impacted by Christ first, to be impacted by Christ first. And as that happens, we grow, we mature, and then we are to impact others, impact those around us. And that is fulfilling that mission statement. So if we're not growing, we're not impacting. And then our life ends up feeling purposeless because it's more than just about us. So last week, as we're talking about growth in in, uh, these last two weeks, As we began our series on growth last week, we looked at how stress can dramatically impact how we grow, especially how we grow spiritually. And so in order to look at, well, well, how do we manage the stress in our life, we took a look at how Jesus managed the stress that he faced while he was here on earth. And we noticed some things that he did well that we need to try to implement ourselves. And the things that Jesus did well when he faced those stressful situations was that he felt it. He identified it, he expressed it, he shared it, and he forgave those that caused it. And so those are some ways that we manage that well, our stresses, we will grow. Well, today, today, what I want to share with us that I believe is also going to play a huge role on how we grow in life, but especially how we grow spiritually, is taking a look at our priorities. Taking a look at our priorities, all the things that we have going on in our life. And when I say priorities here today, I mean what you show that matters most in your life. What you show, not what you say, because we could all say great things that we value. We could all say, oh, yeah, God first. Oh, yeah, you know, God, family, work. Oh, yeah, I mean, we all know the right things to say. But what I want to take a look at is what what is our life showing that plays our priorities? What is our life showing that reveals what is most important to us? Because if our actions do not reveal that, then it simply just isn't true. It reminds me of when Jesus was quoting Isaiah as he was sternly rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes one day. In Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, uh, uh, said this to them. He said, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. 
You honor me with your lips. You know the right things to say. You know the right things to, to, uh, to uh, talk about, to, to make sure everyone hears you about, but your actions don't say that. Your actions do not reveal that. So our lips may say our priorities, but our hearts reveal them. Our actions reveal them. Our time reveals them. So that's what we want to look at today. And our goal as believers is that our priorities, what we have going on in our life, our priorities are helping us grow closer to God and not further away. Because that's what's going to happen. Depending on what we place as our importance in our life, we are growing closer or we're growing further. Let's pray. Dear God, we come to you right now because we all have so much going on in our life. So much going on that grabs our attention. Things that are important even. But God, I pray, Lord God, that nothing would be as important as you. I ask God that you would help reveal that to us this morning. And that we would commit ourselves to placing you first, Father. And we know, God, that we can't do this on our own. We need you. We need your spirit in us. And so we ask God you just have your way this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we're going to look at a piece of scripture this morning that I think reveals beautifully what priorities should and should not look like. So the text that we're going to be looking at comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. And here in this story, we have two sisters, Mary and Martha, and their brother is Lazarus as well. But this story is about Mary and Martha, and they're friends with Jesus. This whole family of siblings are friends with Jesus. Now, we don't know actually too much about them. Uh, this isn't the same Mary that's, you know, the mother of Jesus, of course. And it's not the same Mary that's Mary Magdalene, who, who, uh, who, who uh, Scripture speaks a lot about. But we do know that these siblings are close friends with Jesus. And in fact, when Jesus is entering Bethany where they live, they actually get to um, invite Jesus to stay at their house. And so as you can imagine, as Jesus, who is the most superstar person of that time, is coming over to your house, you're going to make sure it looks right. And that's something I know we can all relate with, all right? When we know we have people coming over, that's the one time we start cleaning that house up. And we want to make sure it looks like, oh, yeah, this is what our house always looks like, you know? And, I mean, when, when, uh, when my wife and I lived in Southern California, we lived near Disneyland. And so we had people staying at, at, staying at our place every other weekend. You know, whoever, whoever was going to Disneyland, they were staying with us. And so that kept us accountable. You know, we're, all right, here we go, in the closet, in the closet, in the bed. No, I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean. We all, we all have been there. We all do that. So that's what Martha, that's where her mind is at. Like, okay, Jesus is coming over to our, our house. Let's make sure our house looks right. Okay, and that's where we're at today. So Luke 10, starting at verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. as she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So our scenario here, it is painting this wonderful picture of what priorities in life looks like. And in this scenario, it looks like this. 
Both of these sisters have this amazing opportunity to spend quality time with Jesus. They're coming to their house. They have a chance to spend great time with Jesus. Mary is choosing to spend her time at the Lord's feet. To spend her time, literally, they're around this table or somewhere, and they're all sitting down. Jesus being the rabbi, this was common as a rabbi would enter a house. People would all sit around, all around them, men usually. But here's Mary, a woman, deciding to sit at the Lord's feet to say, I'm going to take hold of this opportunity, and I'm going to sit and listen to what Jesus has to say. And then you have Martha, who is choosing to spend her time being distracted with much serving. Now, remember, they both have the same opportunity, but Martha is choosing to be distracted and not spend her time at Jesus' feet. I feel that if we were to look at this story as a silent film, not hear any words, but just see this this, this picture going on, we'll have Jesus who's glowing, and then we see Mary just sitting there observing, taking it all in, while Martha is just going around the house crazy back and forth, you know, feeling upset with her sister while she's doing that. And then just as a silent film watching, not hearing anything, but watching what's taking place, we can know immediately what each of their priorities are. And maybe think about, man, what if people could view our life as a silent film? What would our actions speak? Not our words, but what would our actions show what matters most to us? I remember as we did move down to Southern California, um, you know, we, we didn't have family down there. We didn't have a single friend, and I didn't have a job yet. I mean, I'm, I mean, I was I was bored. I was, you know, didn't have anyone to talk to. Jerry was gone all day long during, during her uh, schooling. And so I was looking into things to do. And rugby sparked my interest. And so I went online, and then I decided, you know what, I'm going to start playing rugby. And so I hit up the, the, the team from Pasadena and said, all right, guys, I want to join. They're like, cool, come on out. And so I came out, and then immediately it just took over. It was a sport that I didn't know well of, and so literally this is what my typical day looked like then. Wake up, maybe spend a little time with Jesus, go to work, while at work, watch rugby videos, go home, go to practice, practice rugby, come back home, watch more rugby videos, maybe go train on your own, and then go to bed. And if you were to look at my life, and, and then this was for months and months If you were to look at my life, you can notice right away what was most important to me, what mattered most to me. And it's funny, I played a few years, and every single season ended with a bad injury. Every single year. I think it was the Lord trying to say, all right, can I get your attention now? You know, but anyways, I pray that's not going to happen to anyone here. All right, we don't need to get hurt to learn our lesson. Anyways, this story, Mary and Martha, I believe that this story from Scripture shows us how priorities can be broken down into two categories. Two categories. The first one, first things. The second, second things or next things, actually. This story can be broken down as, as we look at priorities into first things and next things. We all have first things and next things. First things are what takes primary in our life. Our next things is everything that's secondary in our life. And now... This doesn't make them bad, okay? We all have things that we have to do, right? We, we have a family. We have kids. We have bills. We need to work. We need to have an income. We need to spend time with our family. We need to, you know, have our own time. All these things are not bad necessarily, but it all depends on where they at on your priorities list. Are they a part of the first things or are they a part of the next things? 
And so we're going to break this down verse by verse here. There's just, just these few verses, and, and then we're going to look closer into this. Verse 39 says this. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Mary was focused on the first things. She was focused on the first things, which needs to be what all of our priority in life is, which is simply spending time with Jesus. We can have so much going on in our life, but what needs to be prominent is spending time with Jesus. That needs to be our first thing. We need to make Jesus our first thing because that is how we grow. And the priority to sit at the feet of Jesus, I think, implies or shows us five things here that Mary did. Number one. To sit at the feet of Jesus implies readiness to accept and obey what Jesus teaches. You know, as a, as a former teacher, you always notice those students that came to school every day that were observant, that were taking notes, that, 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 uh, that uh, were consistent with turning in assignments. You knew that they were eager. You knew that they were committed. And that's what we need to do. Number two, to sit at the feet of Jesus implies submission to Jesus Rebellion is done with. To sit at the feet of Jesus reveals, my ways are done, God. I'm done going against the grain. I am ready to submit to you, to your will for my life. Number three, to sit at the feet of Jesus implies faith in who Jesus is. It implies that you believe what this has to say about Jesus. You believe he is who he says that he is. Number four. To sit at the feet of Jesus implies discipleship. It implies that you are ready to be trained, that you are ready to grow. Number five, to sit at the feet of Jesus implies love. It implies simply that you love him. Where you choose to spend your time will show me what you love. So when we choose to spend our time at the feet of Jesus, it reveals that you love Jesus. What we decide to make our first thing will determine how we grow in our life, how we grow spiritually. And the enemy wants nothing more than to make sure that he can just twist that around and make sure that Jesus, he might be a part of your life, but make sure that he's not that first thing. Make sure he's on that next thing category. Because he knows that if he can do that, that is going to stop you from growing. That's going to stop you from impacting. Charles Spurgeon has a good quote on this. He says this, the way to get to the revival is to begin at the master's feet. You must go there with Mary, and afterwards you may work with Martha. If you want to see something happen in your life, and you are eager for some breakthrough to take place in your life, your family's life, it starts at the feet of Jesus. It starts with making him your first thing. And then don't get me wrong, going to work with Martha is not bad. In fact, we should be doing that as well, but not if that's taking place of our first thing. So let's examine our hearts this morning. Are we spending time with Jesus? Are our actions revealing that he is our first thing? Let's move on to verse 40. It says this, But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Salty. Martha's being salty here, right? Martha was focused on the next things. She was not focused on the first thing, but she was focused on the next things. And there's two things that we need to know about the next things. Number one, next things are important. God knows that we need them. 
He knows that we need to care about our family. He knows that we need to do our best at our job and then do the best we can with that to generate income. We live in the Bay Area. God knows that. He knows that, and it is important. Number two, the second thing that we need to know about the next things is that God not only knows that it's important, but God cares about your next things. He cares about them more than you do. He cares about your next things, just not as much as he cares about being your first thing. He cares about your next thing so much, just not as much as he cares about being your first thing. You know, over and over again throughout Scripture, it tells us, especially in the Old Testament, about how our God is a jealous God. And I remember reading that and being like, man, that's messed up. How could God be jealous? And what that means is he knows because he created us, because he knows us so well, he knows that if we are to be our best, if we are to impact this world, impact our family, impact our communities, then the only way is by him being our first thing, by him being first. So what Martha was doing was not necessarily wrong, but what was wrong was that it was distracting her from the first thing. When we allow the next things to distract us, they become our first things, and that is what stops us from growing closer to God. And remember, the enemy wants nothing more than to confuse you about that. And there's a great quote again about relationships between first things and next things. C.S. Lewis says this, When I have learnt to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed but increased. I love sharing this with, with, with couples, saying that, you know, if you want to love your spouse better, and I, I tell myself this too, trust me. If you want to love your spouse better, love God more. When you love God most, that is when you will love your spouse the best. So just so you know, if I have the opportunity to uh, do your wedding sometime in the future, I will say that. That will be a line for sure. But it's so true. I mean, we think that our time is so precious, which it is, that, man, to spend more time with God means that I got to take away time with my family, means that, means that I can't maybe put as much focus into work. It means all this and that. And all those things are important, but not if it's taken away from our first thing. Because when we put our focus on the first thing and spend quality time with Jesus, then those Second things or next things, they're not going to diminish, but they're going to increase. We're going to learn how we're going to learn how to uh, how to do them better, how to do them the way that God wants them done. Let's look at verse forty-one. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Jesus says here, Martha, Martha. Is it just me or does anyone feel the need to add a third Martha in there? I mean, every time I read this, Brady Bunch, no? Okay. Anyways, anyways, moving on. That was a dud. He answers, Martha, Martha. Can you sense the love in Jesus' response? Martha, Martha. If you're sitting here this morning, we need to know that if you're sitting here and then you're just like, you know what? I already know my priorities are just all out of whack. I know it. I know it. I have Jesus in my life, but he's kind of been in the back seat. I haven't been spending as much time with him as I should. There's been other things that's been a little bit, you know, my actions showing more important. You need to know this right now. You need to know that Jesus is not condemning you. 
He's not sitting out there shaking his head at you. He's not wagging his finger at you. But Jesus is here to love you back. He's here to love you back. In fact, John 3.17 says this, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. He didn't come here to condemn you. He didn't come here to be upset with you. He came here for you to make a decision here this morning of getting back on track again. And then that's all it is, making a decision and then let your actions follow that up. If the worship team could come on up, we're going to be concluding here pretty soon. Let's take a look at verse 42. Jesus is going to continue here talking to Martha. But one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Say that to yourself or out loud even. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus is saying, but one thing is necessary. Some of your versions might say, but one thing is needed. One thing is necessary. One thing is needed. Martha's priorities were missing that one thing, which is the first thing. And the Bible speaks of the importance of the one thing a few different times. In Psalm 27.4, it says this, One thing have I desired, Lord. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Luke 18.22 says this, When Jesus heard these things, he said to them, You still lack one thing. Come and follow me. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those that are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One thing. As Scripture misses As scripture mentions these one things, it's all about priorities. Jesus says you're missing one thing. David writes, one thing I desire. It means that this one thing needs to be most important in our life. If we want to see breakthrough, if we want to see healing, if we want to see changes take place in our life, our family's life, it's going to take us making that one thing, making the first thing the most important item in our life. So what's the result when we choose to make our first thing be the most important thing in our life? What's the result when we choose to spend that quality time with Jesus? Well, like we said before, we are impacted. We are impacted and then we grow and then we're able to impact others and help them grow. And we fulfill that mission that Jesus has called us all to. Because you see, to do what is right, we have to know what is right. To grow closer to God, you got to spend time with God. That's the only way. There's no other way around it. If that means that we got to wake up a little bit earlier, that means set that alarm, force yourself to get out of bed. I know what I had to do early on was, was set my alarm on the other side of the room that forced me to get up, walk across the room, and turn it off. Whatever it takes to make Jesus your first thing is so important. And we have to know and realize that important. That it's going to dramatically impact your life and those around you. Mary's priority was on the first thing, and her life showed it. And you know, we don't know much about Mary, like I mentioned earlier, but three things 
that are revealed about Mary in the only times that, 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 uh, that, uh, that uh, she's mentioned in scripture is that she's at the feet of Jesus. The only three times this Mary is mentioned, all three times has her at the feet of Jesus. In Luke 10, 39, today we saw that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and learned from him. In John 11, verse 32, which we talked about last week, we saw that Mary fell at the feet of Jesus and surrendered to him as her brother Lazarus was dead. And then later on, eventually, in John 12, 3, right before Jesus is going is, is, uh, to go to the cross, Jesus is back at Mary's house. And it says that Mary anointed Jesus' feet with costly perfume and wiped it with her hair in honor of Jesus. In this story, I think that there's three different people mentioned here that we can relate to. We have the Marys. The Marys, those that, that, that have Jesus and, and, he's, he, and that he's their first thing. We're spending quality time with them. I wanna encourage you, don't get discouraged. Don't grow weary. Stay on that ride. It's gonna be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's going to have its twists and turns, its ups and downs, but it will pay off. I promise you that. We also have the Marthas, where Jesus is there. Jesus is in your house, but we're too distracted with the next things to notice him. We're too distracted with the next things to give the, give the importance that Jesus deserves. And then... The third one is the absent, the ones that aren't even there. They're not even at the party. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you haven't even had the, the opportunity to ask Jesus into your life to be your first thing. Well, we would love to offer you this opportunity this morning. 